Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You are listening to episode 201. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan. Tyler is studying for some kind of insurance test, I think. Is that what's happening? That's what I gathered from the, yeah, the text I think messages. Something he's been building towards for a while now, but I don't think any of the places that he's worked at has been willing to actually pay for it for him. Meaning like, you know, the, empl- the employer treating their employees fantastically like this like place employees. is. So. So he's, I think that's what he is pushing for going towards at this point. So good for you, Ty Ty. Yeah, hopefully you pass. That's what we're going to go. Hopefully you pass your test and you're <laughs> studying thought. really hard and not drinking and blowing us off. Thoughts and prayers. So tonight we have uh, a little bit of a show. There's uh, not much has happened since in the week since we posted our last episode. We had two games against the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Buffalo Sabres. Losing both uh, the Buffalo game, though. So... I guess that's where we'll start is the losses. So I'm not going to say that I wasn't super impressed. The Toronto game, we controlled the puck a lot. Like we we did everything but score goals at the beginning. And Ned let in our, it was Huso. Huso had a not great game. He got back to back, not great games from both goalies. Yeah, he got pulled. Uh, who's our Ned went in and finished strong. Ned finished the game strong. Ned went 12 for 12. And it was he came in for Huso. So it was, uh, I want to say that we played very well against Toronto. Just the goalies didn't show up. I think if the goalies would have shown up, we, we probably could have won that game. I mean, if anything, they could have forced overtime because you look at, the shot chart, I don't have it in front of me, which you'd think I would have it right in front of me right now. But we had, I think, I want to say over 40 shots against Matt Murray the other night. And he looked like he was a Vezina contender, much like Craig Anderson did. Uh, we had last 44. Night. Yeah, 44 shots. And it seemed like, it, and it wasn't for a lack of trying, if you will. Like, they weren't just hitting him and dying. Like, there was traffic. They were causing some chaos. They just... Toronto was fantastic at the loose puck battles and Detroit couldn't capitalize. That's kind of what it came down to. So it wasn't for a lack of trying. Neither game was for a lack of trying, if if you want to look at it that way. But the goaltending early on, and for that matter, and it's not even like there were true defensive lapses 
in either game that I can think of. I mean, you could say that maybe the first goal, the shorthanded goal for Buffalo was a, de- a defensive lapse, but also it was kind of just a, a bad luck move. But then it was, if depends on who you talk to, I thought it was a soft goal. You have other people saying it was kind of a breakaway. So it's on a, the, pe- the power play. It shouldn't be happening. So, but I mean, it's, the offense is clicking in a way it is they're not putting the puck in the net. And I would say, are you Buffalo though? A lot of uh, logo hunting in that game, which kind of shot them in the ass. Yeah. The Toronto game um, there were it's our power play. Didn't work. We had three power play opportunities and no goals uh, to, to give you kind of a, an idea of what our possession numbers looked like. It was our best possession game this season so far. With a team Corsi 4 of 70.4. 70.4. That means we controlled the puck 70% of the time in that game. Uh, I kind of wish 60. I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. Uh, the big bite in the ass, though, face-off percent of 39.5. Uh, 63.4% of our starts were in the offensive zone. But it was also our second, uh, third most unlucky game of the season with a PDO of 90.6. The only games we were unluckier in was uh, Arizona on the 25th of November and New York on the 10th of November. Those were the only two games where we were less lucky than we were in that game against Toronto. And that's a playoff team. I mean, they've been on a they've been on a point streak. They've been on a tear. They've been started bad. Man, are they on fire? They turned it around. And those are the kind of teams that you want to keep up with and beat. And I think that was a winnable game. Completely winnable game. If Huso would have been Absolutely. on his game, I think that's winnable. Yeah, if, if he if he makes a couple of those saves early on, uh, there's no doubt that I think that they actually hold on or come back to win that. Yeah, it's the even strength Corsi 4, which is shots plus blocks plus misses. We got a score of 69. That's the highest we've gotten all season plus nice. And the Corsi against at even strength was 29. So we, I mean, like I said, and I even tweeted out, like we dominated most of that game. We were in control of that game for, for most of it. And it's just that the puck didn't bounce our way. And if it did, we get maybe a couple in and, and it, like you said, maybe goes into overtime or whoso makes a couple saves at the beginning there. And we possibly win that game. I wasn't mad at it. I wasn't mad at the, the no. play of the players. I was mad at the outcome of the game because of how they played. And that's even something Newsy said after. He's like, it wasn't a, like a bad game. It's how do we come back in the next game and play that same kind of hockey and win? And that really didn't happen. Uh, the Buffalo game or Corsi 4. Now we did, I mean, we're above 50, 50.5. So we went back and forth with Buffalo as far as possession goes, really. We were getting worked early in that game, too. 47% of our starts were in the offensive zone. So we started more on the defensive side. We were luckier than normal. And that makes sense towards the end of the game where Sonny went on a tear, which normally wouldn't happen. But yeah, that, that's that second goal he had was beautiful. But I think what helped there too was we won 67% of our faceoffs. So I just weird how that works. When you win faceoffs and you get control, you set up like we're we we become a decent setup team. We become a decent rush team as long as we have our stuff set up. It's just getting control of the puck. And it's it's been kind of a thing that we've had to to kind of work with where Dylan Larkin started off not great at faceoffs has picked it up. Andrew Kopp's picked it up. Andrew Kopp had a good game last night. 
So, and there's people, assist, he? yeah, and there's people that are still saying Andrew Cop needs to do better. And he's not as fast as he should be, and he probably should be getting more goals, but he's contributing. They've and, even, they've even recently talked about that on the broadcast. How he's been taking it's you can tell that he hasn't fully regained what was there, but he's starting to come come to his own. And I think last night was one of his better games, to be honest. Yeah, and it'll get better. I mean, we're on game twenty two. We are, I mean, it, for all intents and purposes, a fourth of the way through the season. So uh, losing to Buffalo, and again, coach says, not many teams are coming back from a three to one deficit or four to one deficit and coming back to tie the game. It's just not happening in the league right now, even though it's happened a few times in the past week, but it's not a very common thing to be down three goals and, and to claw your way back, especially with big performances from guys on your fourth line. Yeah. They kind of flipped that game on its head after um, Ned kind of settled down midway through the second, if you will. And the way they played in the third period, and now I get it. It's hard to ask for that every single day or every single night, every single period, but that's what you kind of want to see more often rather than kind of going lax days go through. Cause the first two goals against from, from Buffalo were a backbreaker. And you could tell that the team was basically deflated from that point. So the the fact that they were able to bring it back and recover because they were up one, nothing. And then all of a sudden you're down four to one. And it's like, come on, man. And they scored quick. This here's what's interesting. Cause Bergeron got that Bergeron got that goal minute 20 in. And then over the next period of play, it was a four, one game. They scored that four, four straight goals for Buffalo. So we've seen it before, I think, where Detroit comes out hot and scores and then they just collapse and then they stay collapsed. But this time that didn't actually happen, which I think is the, the positive aspect of that, if you will. I feel like, and in, in I think we've brought it up before, last season, the team, a team going down four to one to Buffalo would have given up. They would have rolled over. They would have called the game. They would have. Could have been the. Arizona game of last year. Yeah, they would have coasted around the ice and lost that game four to one or five to one or six to one. They would have just completely given up. And for as much shit as people have been giving Ned, one, I think they need to calm down just a little bit. People are extremely, extremely aggressive against Ned. It's kind of like how they acted. Really in general. It's how they I'm acted not going to say Howard. I'm perfect with that, but he did it last night. His start of his game was end of career. Jimmy Howard esque. Sure. But people have to remember that he hadn't played a full game in 18 days. Like that's a long time for a goalie yeah. to go without playing a full game of hockey. And to, I mean, Huso, who came in and kind of just shit the bed really early. He had played a lot of hockey. He had played a lot of hockey and probably should have taken a day off a couple games ago. So, and then we got Magnus Helberg. We pick up Helberg again, the return of Helberg, and he gets sent down to Grand Rapids for conditioning. So what they could do, and this was brought up by Sean Shapiro, is Helberg could go down for conditioning, and I think you get up to 14 days, and then you can get them called up, and then you can send another goalie down for conditioning. And maybe that's what they do with Ned, just to get him a little bit more playtime, get him back. You can just do that? Yeah, um, but once they're down there, it's pulling them out. When you pull them out, they're out. And you can't just swap them back down there for three days. Like, you don't get rollover conditioning days, but you can do so that. So you don't have to be injured to do that. No, Helberg's not injured. They sent him down for conditioning today. 
That's what confused me because I thought the conditioning stint stuff was nope. if you had a guy injured or whatnot. I did too. And I it's classically used for injured players, but you can just right. send a dude down for conditioning, but you can't do it like I can't every other week just send a guy down for conditioning. They only get so many right. conditioning games per season. Like per player or in per, general? Uh, I think it is. It, I'd have to double check, but hmm. I, I would assume it would be per player because if you have several players injured, like long-term injury that are coming back, you can't just say, well, this guy's going to come straight back into the game. I wouldn't think, but I'd have to double check. So that's what yeah. Shapiro says is they may just send when Helberg is done. They thought it would go the other way. Ned would go down. Helberg would back up. Then Helberg would go down. But I think that they could send Helberg down, get his conditioning in, bring him up, send Ned down to play a few games in Grand Rapids to build his confidence back up, and then bring him back up. It gives us some flexibility, plus the goaltending of Grand Rapids hasn't been phenomenal. So there's options there, and this is kind of like Iserman's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers kind of move, if that's what he decides to do. Well, it's also a good way. Does does the conditioning stint count for that 30-day window with Helberg and not having to go back through waivers? Uh, If you're going down on conditioning, you do not have to pass through waivers because you're not actually... Right, no, I knew that. What I mean is so... Is it's what after you claim a guy, you've got 30 days that you can't send him to down. keep him is on this, the roster. So he is this still part of that 30 days during conditioning? You are still on the NHL roster, so you're just playing in a different move. league. Yeah, exactly. So you can kind of keep sliding him and keep sliding him and give him that conditioning stint until he's been on the roster for so long, and then you can send him down to Grand Rapids permanently without having to worry about it. And then if at some point you want to trade Ned. You have an NHL caliber or what's assumed oh, you're to going be right to that one, aren't you? An NHL caliber backup. So there's little, little moves being made during the season that you don't you don't really think too much about until you're us and you sit in a wormhole full of Iserman brain hockey moves, like galaxy brain kind of stuff. And that's I mean, that's the direction it could go. That the stuff we get yelled at for. Yeah, the stuff that people go, there's absolutely no way that can happen. And then it ends up happening. And we're like, nah, I told you so. so no one thought Mantha was going to get traded after that contract either. Yeah, so I think that's that's what I'm looking at there is that if Ned can p- keep playing like he played the end of that Buffalo game, we'll be fine. He'll be fine. We'll have a good goalie tandem again because we thought coming into the season, we'd have one of the best goalie tandems and one of the youngest goalie tandems in the league. And it just has not turned out that way so i'm not mad about the buffalo game like i said previous red wings teams would have rolled over and they came back to get a point and i'll take that point all day of the week even though it's against one of the worst teams in the league right now yeah i mean i will say it's kind of creepy i'm looking at the stat lines between toronto and buffalo detroit scored first in both games and then then allowed four straight to both teams yeah that's uh not good (laughs) it's not it's not good um, but another thing that came out of that Buffalo game is an injury or another injury to Tyler Bertuzzi. I think it's on the opposite hand this time. Yeah, go figure. I just, and, and even before that, so when Tyler Bertuzzi came back, I I had tweeted out uh, during the Buffalo game, like, did we get an imposter, Tyler Bertuzzi? Because what the hell is going on? He, at, at times, looks very uninterested. He can't keep his balance. He's giving the puck away. And when I, people will yell about giveaways. I think Tyler Bertuzzi on the season has one takeaway and five giveaways in like six games played. So uh, it's just, he's in a contract year. So one, he should be playing phenomenal. He'd be playing his ass off every night. 
which leads me to think that a contract negotiations are not going great. He's mad or B he has another nagging injury because a wrist injury does not make you skate slow and it doesn't make you super sloppy. And if you're still injured, don't come back to the lineup until you're ready to play. Part of me feels that that's been the case that he's injured still that he never really was truly recovered because the one thing that's been glaring to me with him has been his puck handling or lack thereof, because we've seen it before. We saw last season when you put Bert in a certain situation, he can get through guys and make it look pretty easy. Now he does have some heavy touches at times. I'm kind of using a going toward the FIFA route with the touch thing there, but uh, too much world cup for me the last week and a half, but it seemed like every time he got a hold of the puck, he was losing it. It was either flubbing away. He was trying to make a pass and whiffed on it, or it just was offline. And we saw it the other night. He had a poor turnover in the set in the neutral zone that Buffalo came right back and scored. Now, could it have been a, a shot that was saved? Sure. But I think since he's returned, something hasn't been right. And in the back of my mind, since we're going to play the tinfoil hat game tonight, apparently, like I don't think he was fully healthy. And it seemed like he might have rushed it. And now we've got this situation with his other hand, which maybe it's, I don't know where he got hit this time. Like, what's going on? What kind of luck do you have to have to come back from like a broken wrist and then like get your other wrist broken? <laughs> like, at least the first one made sense because he was blocking a shot. This one was Sherratt fired a howitzer from the point, and it just so happens to hit him in the freaking arm. He was like, blocking on, a man. shot, just it was his own player shot. And that sucks, too, because Cop made a great play off that rebound there to get that puck back towards, towards Burt, but Burt was already shook up and couldn't do anything and just went right off the ice after that once Anderson got the puck back. So I was like, fuck. So in the seven games that Bertuzzi's been back, he has a goal and two assists, which, I mean, isn't terrible. But if you look at his ice time, it's all below besides one, two games. So one game, he had 18 minutes and 39 seconds. One game, he had 17, 22. But all the other games are 16, 16, 20 and under uh, the 23rd of November. He played 12 minutes and 59 seconds. And he's, he's been, been moved shuffled. around too. he's been shuffled. But the lineup itself has been shuffled. Yeah, which isn't to say that has been bad, but like his performance, I think dictated the one point where he got dropped to the fourth line, but then he got re-promoted to the second in between that and the first line. And you're just like, mm, maybe we could use, you know, Jonathan Bergeron, Bergeron up there and let him kind of go hand with some better players. But I don't know, something was wrong in my mind. And, it, and now it's icing on the cake that he's re-injured. I wonder how much that's going to hurt if they decide that, that now maybe they need to trade Bertuzzi because of contracts and cap and all that stuff. Maybe they need to trade him. And if he's not producing, did you miss your chance? Did you miss your chance at a big payday by not trading Tyler Bertuzzi? Or has he built up enough stock previously to say, hey, this might just be an off year thing and maybe a team will pay big for him because they've seen what he could do and because he's a playoff style player. Because if, if Tyler Bertuzzi comes to you, and tells you, hey, I want an eight-year deal at $8 million a season. I don't think I can give it to him because of how old he is now versus his style of play and how quickly players like that can break down or are already breaking down, maybe. 
knowing you have to pay Larkin, knowing you have to pay Raymond, knowing you have to pay Cider. And you're not, I don't think you're going to give Tyler Bertuzzi or in any position to give Tyler Bertuzzi an eight by eight based on the type of player that he is. I think we're past that point. I mean, he hasn't been able to stay healthy for an entire season to this point. Now, that's not to say 73 and 71 games is a bad thing, but you look back at last year, he only played in 68 games. The year before that, he only played in nine. Up to this point, he's only played nine this season. So he's already got a history there. Now, you would think that some of these injuries would be more so from throwing the body or something like that, but something's got to give. And right now, I was talking to Mario about this earlier. Like he, he The ball is totally in Iserman's court here in terms of he's got all the leverage. He's like, you, all he's got to do is look at these last couple of years. Like, dude, you have not been healthy. You've hurt our team more. I mean, you could argue last season he had 62 points in 68 games, 30 and 32. First time scoring 30 in his career. And that's his best season. Before that, it was 48 and 71. Yep. But he's put up 20 goals in three of his seasons thus far, which is a big deal. However, and we've kind of touched on this before, he can be a replaceable talent. Is that going to be soon? Maybe. Would you, is it internally? Unlikely. Is that someone you have to go get off the free agency? Most likely. But biggest thing is, is he healthy? No. Is he going to be worth that money if he can't stay healthy? Maybe. But now he's basically worked himself into a corner where he's probably not getting more than a one to a two or three year deal. If he's staying in Detroit, let me preface it that way. If he goes elsewhere, maybe they'll, they'll spend more money on him. The way things are going, I don't think you can trust him staying healthy for an entire season. Yeah, and talking about replacements, I mean, I don't think you need to go very far to find a replacement because Carter Mazur's at the University of Denver. And you Carter Mazur, you could argue Berggren is sure. ready to go. We got Faber sure. and Zadina coming back at some point. Berggren's looked fantastic. And I'd uh, love to yeah. see him get those minutes because Tyler Bertuzzi right now is averaging just a little over 15 minutes a game because he's been slotted down and because he's had to work back up from injury. And it's not because he can't play that that top lines uh, minutes it's because he's been injured. So you got to ease him back in. So, so a funny thing about Berggren that I caught tonight and I didn't really pay attention to this up until this comment was made in the Red Wings community on Twitter, a hockey fan at, at worthless comedy posted. I'm not sure it's been talked about enough that Jonathan Berggren is scoring at over a 50 point pace in a full 82 game season playing only 12 minutes a night. And that's what you need. So that's what makes you feel a little bit more comfortable about making a trade. Because if you do up his minutes, what's going to happen? Put him on the power play some more. Yeah, put him up. I want to see him in the top six. Put him in the top six. I want to see him on the top power play unit, to be honest. But Carter Mazur at the University of Denver right now, he's 20 years old, born in March. So he'll be 21 uh, next season. Has had two years at the University of Denver. Last season, 21-22 in 41 games played. He had 38 points. This season so far in 14 games played, he has 16 points. The kid's on fire. 12 goals and four assists in 14 games. And he's scoring in bunches and he pisses people off. He was kind of, during his draft, he he was asked what he does. He gets under people's skin. That's what he does. That's what Tyler Bertuzzi does or did to, to an extent. I don't think he does that much anymore. But... It's Carter Mazur's kind of the the shit disturber kind of player who also seems to have fantastic hands. And if you need, if you're worried about 
getting rid of Bertuzzi and then losing a ton of scoring, you've got to think you've got Jonathan Berggren and Jonathan Berggren is putting the puck in the net. He's making phenomenal plays. The kid out there is crazy and he wants it. And I'm sorry to Philip Zadina for when he comes back because Philip Zadina right now has no, has no place in the lineup. Elmer Soderbloom can go back to Grand Rapids and work on defense. That's fine. And he's still day to day. There's been no updates on him at all, but he's day to day, which is okay. Let him, let him get healed up. We know he can play hockey and when he's ready to go ship him to Grand Rapids and let him get some defensive work in. Yeah. There's no hurt. Nothing is hurt by sending Soderbloom back to Grand Rapids. But I would see where Mazer's at next season and say, hey, do you want to finish school or would you like to come try and make the squad? And that's and if you're not going to make the Red Wings out of the gate, maybe you make you'll make the Griffins and maybe you get some games in and then you come play in Detroit the year after because the way he's going and if he keeps up this pace, I mean, he's going to be over a point per uh, point per game pace in college at a very good school. The University of Denver is a very good program. Oh, yeah. What's nice about him, I'm looking at Cap Friendly right now, is they don't have to sign him technically until August of 25. I think they'll get it done before then, though. Well, totally. But I guess what I'm saying, like, is he trying to finish school? I, You never know. But to that point, you got to think that that's going to be an overwrite being in college. And if you got him in Grand Rapids next year, that's huge. Because that's upping timelines for guys that are a huge hit for what Eisman's been drafting. So, and that's all you can hope for because again, what's going to happen with Bert? We don't know. Yeah. And I think our big, the big reason we were nervous about trading Bertuzzi was, was the replacements. And now it seems that more replacements are kind of revealing themselves to where you feel okay about it, where people will say, well, you lose toughness. Well, toughness doesn't make any difference if they're injured and out for 30 games a season. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're not getting pushed around that badly. And when we are, we take, we'll let them take the penalty and we'll, we've got a good power play. So well, that's fine. We'll see what happens. Cause I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think I can say much more that we haven't already said because they're, they're getting to the point where they this team needs to win. Whether it's this season is, is, to be determined. And we've talked about that over and over again. Like if they make the playoffs or they're pushing for a playoff spot this season, it's a win. But come next season, we can't have guys like Tyler Bertuzzi going out. I get it. His injury both times this year have been a freak thing, but it's still hurting this team because when they, when he's out there, they're typically better and they can't without him. It sucks. So it's a make or break year. And like I said earlier, this only plays into Eiserman's hand of, all right, you've been hurt. Here's another one-year deal. We'll see what happens. And we are going to talk about a few more of the prospects that are playing overseas. Uh, but first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check out this. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And we are back, and we have some more prospects to talk about. Now, I'm going to go through a few that people are that are more high on people's radar, ones we've been talking about for a little bit. And then one that I just love talking about because one, his name is awesome and people are going to fuck it up constantly. And two, he's just been on a tear. Uh, but first, we're going to go to William Wallander. William Wallander currently playing in Rogla with Marco Casper. Wallander. Yeah, William Wallander is uh, playing for Rogla, like I just said, he in the SHL. In 21 games played, he has 14 points, four goals, and 10 assists. The thing about Wallander that I've noticed is that his defensive game has gotten better. And that's kind of what we wanted from Wallander was that he was able to do the offensive stuff last season. He, in 47 games played, had 19 points in in Rogla. But this season, so in 21 games, he's five points away from matching it. His last season offensive totals, but his defense has gotten better. And he is playing with Marco Casper. He's assisted on some Marco Casper goals, but he's another guy like we had talked about. Edvinson is... They've got the tools. Can they put the tools together to form a complete game? And Wallander, even though he won like a Swedish rookie of the year last season in the SHL, that he's got the tools, but what Wallander are you getting on what night? Are you getting the offensive Wallander? Are you getting the defensive Wallander? And he's learning to put that together this year. Kind of like what we're seeing with Edmondson a little bit. Yeah, and and he's learning to do it. So I think next season, Wallander will come over to the AHL. I think he'll play in Grand Rapids next season. Because Edvinson will move to Detroit and Albert Johansson very much well could move to Detroit. So think if that was your bottom pair next year. If what was your bottom pair next year? Those two. I mean, no, it wouldn't be because you don't want both rookies on on one line exactly, but well, they're both lefties too. Well, I mean, we have two lefties out there right now. Do we? Yeah, because oh, because. Yeah, because Wallman came back and they've been using Osterlink because Hague was napping well. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And neither uh, Gustav Lindstrom, I believe, is still injured. Yep. So, yeah. So that's uh, that's William Wallander. He's one that I think. He's also, Wallander's also very big. Oh, yeah. This is the, the Detroit Giants that are coming through six foot, 490 pounds currently. That's a big guy. Yeah. And he is 20 years old. So he's probably done growing. And he's a July birthday. Yeah, he's a July birthday. So he's done. But that's, I mean, again, that's a giant. I mean, you got Mo that's what? Is Mo 6'4? You've got Edvinson who's like 6'4 or 6'5. You've got Soderbloom who's 6'8. So you've got big dudes. Like the whole team is going to be very large men. I mean, if you're looking at the roster currently, Sands injuries, like Helberg's 6'6, Raz is 6'6 listed on here, Cider's 6'4, Sherratt's 6'3. Uso and Sonny are 6'3". Their size there. It's good. And you have Sebastian Kosa coming in, and he is also very large. So, Isn't he 6'6"? Six, six? Uh, yeah, Kosa is 6'6", six, six, 209. So, and he's another one who's doing very well in Toledo. Right now in Toledo, in 11 games played, he's got a 298 goals against and an 898 save. So it's he's doing well in Toledo. He did decently in Grand Rapids, and I think he'll get some more AHL time this season. Yeah, Toledo, I think, as a whole, is kind of struggling this season. Yeah. What's their what's their record at the moment? Because every time I've checked it, from I think it's Mark Monroe is who I follow, it hasn't been going well. 
Uh, so in 14 games played right now, Toledo has won five games, lost eight with uh, 37 goals for and 44 goals against. Yeah, so they're not quite the team that we're used to seeing in Toledo because they're historically, no. I mean, it's hard to win in the ECHL because if you're playing really well, that means you're going to lose guys most likely. So if they can turn it around, it'll be great because that's also a fun hockey town. But the biggest thing is, as we've talked about before, Costa's getting reps, and that's what matters the most because you got to think that coming to next season, he's full-time AHL, hopefully, fingers crossed. But I'm not, I'm not too concerned. He's had some great games. We've seen some highlights come through. He's been super aggressive. I think that's the big one this year is he's being aggressive in, in that, but not in a bad way. Not like yeah, it's not overcommitting. Yeah. Yeah. So the other one we want to talk about, Marco Casper. Marco Casper, again, in Rogla. And in 21 games played, he has four goals and eight assists. The other thing we've really noticed about Marco Casper is, man, is he angry. He is a mad He's he's 5'10", so I don't want to call him a little guy, but he is just, he's angry. He's hitting people. He's starting fights. CBY Goon Squad, baby. Yeah, and and he's really, he the plays that he's scoring on, he's got some flash to him. He's got some flash to his game. Yep. And in 12 and 21 is nothing to kind of like put your nose up at. Last season in 46 games uh, with Rogla, he had seven goals and four assists for 11 points. So he's already beat his total last season in half the amount of games played. So it's a kid who you're hoping comes in in like, like I think we had talked about not rushing him maybe in two seasons he comes in or three seasons. He comes in and, and holds up your second line center position. And at that point, if you've still got Andrew cop, cause you signed Andrew cop for five, then maybe he slides over to the wing. Maybe he drops down. Maybe you trade him. So there's options there in the long run because there you're also getting rid of some cap. Maybe. And you're bringing in a guy on, on an ELC who's not going to be making a ton of money. So Marco Casper is doing well for an eighth overall pick. And I think you can only get better from there. But he, he's a slick kid. He's got some moves. He's got hands. He's deceptive. But he also has a, an, an edge to him, which I don't think we saw before the draft. And just a friendly reminder, he's 18 still. He will be 19 in April. Huge. Yeah. Because he's so he's showing this type of play at 18 in a men's league in Sweden at the top level of Sweden, which we consider, I think, arguably the third best in, in all the world. Debatable with the AHL, but he's doing that yeah, now. I'll, I'll say all day the SHL is better than the AHL. Fair. I'll, I'll give it to you. But he's doing that now at 18. Full-time hockey. Men's league. Bring him over to the AHL next season. Let's go. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe he make, cracks the roster, which I wouldn't be surprised for how things are looking. See, I don't know. Unless you're going to Dylan Larkin him and start him on the wing. You've got to re-sign most of your guys. Sure, but you're you got to figure six. out. You, uh, you got to think they're going to tender Joe Valeno. But then you've got to figure out what you're doing with Pew Sitter. Because is, is that your depth guy, or do you put Casper in that role? I think if you bring Marco Casper in, in... If you start him at wing, Quist. if you start him at wing, like you did with Dylan Larkin, I think you want him playing in your top six is what you want. So if you've got Dylan Larkin and I, I mean, again, maybe Tyler Bertuzzi is gone, but if you've got Dylan Larkin, you've got Jonathan Bergren, you've got Dominic Kubelik, you've got uh, Andrew Kopp, you've got David Perron, 
and pick another one. Lucas Raymond. There's six right there. So if he can't crack your top six, I'm going to put him in Grand Rapids because he can just tear Grand Rapids up. Like the only guy that's a pending free agent, I'm not going to refer to Burton Larkin in this moment, but like you got to think Valeno's getting tendered. I think Ernie's gone. I think Suter's gone. And I think Sonny is the only one they probably bring back. That's me thinking that tentatively at the moment. Because Suter has been kind of, eh. I mean, you could argue the same for Sonny. Ernie, maybe if he goes a little bit cheaper, it's even more beneficial to him. Because he's at 2.1 now. But I think between of who they've got pending free agents, Sonny and Ernie are probably the only two I could realistically see turning. Yeah, I could see Pia Suter dealt at the deadline. I mean, he's shown he can still play hockey. And he's been yeah. pretty effective. He's got some speed there. That's going to be beneficial. He's a good defensive player. You could deal him at the deadline. You could deal Burt at the deadline. Adam Ernie, you could try and deal him or let him walk. Sunquist, I would bring back because he brings the grit. He's shown offensive hands. He doesn't mind getting in people's way or getting in front of the goalie. I think there's value there in Oscar Sunquist, and he's 28. So again, he's not over 30. And that is kind of what I'm looking at is that if it, if, if Sonny was two years older in doing what he's doing, I think Iserman would let him walk. Or I think Iserman might try and trade him. But because he's no. under 30 and because he plays well with the guys around him and he seems to have that offensive touch and he's not a detriment, he's not bad defensively, he doesn't hurt you in any way. And he, he has a more positive than a negative to him. If you were to make a pro-con list, there's more pros than cons. So I think Sonny's a good one to keep a hold of if you can keep him under 3 million. So yeah, three that's million be or lower. Because right now he's at 275, which is a great deal. Now, if the, if the cap goes up, then it's kind of a moot point. But at the same time, you still don't want to tap into that. So we'll have to wait and see. But I mean, you think about Suter, Sonny, and Ernie, all three of those guys can play in all situations. Sure. But I'm looking at I'm looking at upside. That's that's where come trade deadline. Those are the ones you can easily dangle about and see what happens, in my opinion. But I think Suter and Sonny probably have the more upside because they're typically out there more on the defensive side, especially the PK. I mean, Ernie's out there, too, playing a lot of PK time. But you see Sonny on the power play more than you do the other two, which where I think that might be more of an eye catch and be like, ooh, pretty things send that my way. Here's a second round, third round pick. I think what I'm looking at is what is more easily replaceable with assets we already have. So if you say I'm going to, if I, yeah, exactly. So I can trade Pia Suter and just Ernie. slot Joe Valeno in that same situation. No problem. But Ernie brings a similar aspect of Sonny though, sure. in terms of the physicality. I like Sonny's game better than I like Ernie's game because yes. Ernie works well when you play him with Dylan Larkin and when you play him with those top guys, because anyone is going to, I'd love to see Sonny with Dylan Larkin for a few years and see what happens. I think the big thing for Ernie this year, and we talked about it quite a bit as well is he's his skating this year. seems to be vastly improved. And I think in any situation where you're trying to talk about him possibly being dealt as a deadline acquisition for depth, that's what's going to help set him apart. Because I think he's a better skater yeah. than Suter, to be honest. And yeah. Suter's got some speed to him. Ernie has a better acceleration than Pia Suter. I think Pia Suter has a better top speed. Ernie can get there quicker because he, he has better strides. But I think if you're trading guys, 
come the deadline, Bertuzzi, Suter, and Ernie are your your forward trade pieces. Jordan Osterley, maybe you can get something for him. And if I'm looking at defense, Robert Haig is done. He's not coming back next season. Gustav Lindstrom is an RFA. I'm okay with letting him walk because you've got guys that can come in. Jake Wallman, I like. I like Jake Wallman. Wallman's not going anywhere. I like Jake Wallman. Uh, His price point's probably going to go up a little bit. Same with Mata. Yeah. So, I mean, the defense, you got some work to do, but Schrott's signed through 26-27. Philip Ronick is an ARB-eligible RFA in 24-25. I am, one, going to apologize to the entire fan base for my doubt in Philip Ronick at the beginning of the season up until, like, game six. Philip Ronick has been phenomenal. We should rename him Phenomenal Heronic. It's just, I don't know what happened. And I think it is, Bob Bugner is a genius. That's kind of what I want to go off of because he's basically told Heronic, like, and he said it the other day, Heronic was passing first. And he's like, whenever you have the puck, just fucking shoot it. Shoot the puck. They even talk. He even said, not even for a goal, just to get it on net and just shoot the puck. And Herodic's doing it's been paying off spectacularly. Plus, Olimata's helped him tighten up his defensive game. They talked about that shot after the Arizona game, if I remember correctly. And it was him and Raymond were there for the post-game conference. And they talked about how he... The, I think the direct, direct quote was, he's got a phenomenal shot. And they just told him to start using it. Yeah, that's what Bob Bugner said. He said, just shoot the puck. Yep, and that's what's happening. And now good things are happening from that. So for a team that still seems like they're trying to find their identity under this new system, that has been a fantastic bright spot. And we've seen him put points up before, but this is different, it feels like. And it's not for a lack of defense either. Like we're not losing him entirely defensively for everything that he's doing offensively. Cause Mata's there to do, do his shutdown thing. And he, he's been fantastic. Probably one of the best defensive signings we've had in a very long time, but the way that him and Heronic have complimented each other, it's amazing. That, but to that's give Heronic credit though, to give him credit in previous seasons, if he was using that offense, he would have broken down defensively because there were yes, so, that's there the were big one. so many times where we would just go, Chronic, what are you what are you doing? And you could Oh, there's plenty of tweets I'm sure out there that we could pull up on from me yelling at him. You could point to a reason why a goal was his fault. And there were a couple earlier this season where you could do the same thing. There was a game where you could point to two goals that were directly Philip Prodic's fault. But he's tightened it up, he's turned it around, he's learning from Olimata. I think he's starting to kind of replicate his game. Mata is good, has offense to him. Philip Peronik is far better offensively, but if he can learn to be defensive like Ole Mata is, you've got a really good, like what he should be, which is that second pair D that just anchors it. And Devin from the Hockey Writers, which I love Devin's stuff. If I'm going to talk about the Hockey Writers, it's really just him. He had, he had posed why, and we had talked about it too, why this season have Ben Sherratt and Mo Sider not been split up. And we had talked about it a little bit. And I came to the conclusion it's because Olimata and Philip Ronick are doing so well together that if you split up Ben Sherratt and Mo Sider, 
you're going to ruin the chemistry between Mata and Heronic. So you keep Cider and Schrott together. I know, because, it's a double-edged sword. Because Mata and Heronic are doing so well. So I think at some point you may see Sherat Cider split up because Ben Sherat is a defensive liability a lot of the times, even though he's got that offensive skill to him. And his, his job is to really take people out of the play, but he needs to be stopping the puck at the same time. So I, I think you'll see it at some point, but Heronic's been a revelation. And, and that kind of makes going into next season, if you got Sherat, Cider, Heronic, Mata, and Wallman, you've really only got one defensive spot open. So, I, I mean, maybe it's hard to keep Wallman if you're trying to get Edmonds in it. I don't know. I mean, I, I get the, the, the want for a lefty-righty combo, but if that's what you've got under contract, is that such a bad thing? No, plus it gives you, I mean, I guess, trade pieces as well. If you want to move someone. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, hmm. I, I don't think it would prevent someone. If you've got Wallman and you want to get Edmondson in the lineup, it's going to happen. Where that's at is to be, be determined. Now, it's, are you going to have to sacrifice bringing back somebody? Like, is, If Wallman's your odd man out, if you re-sign Mata, you're not in a bad spot. Exactly. Because you're technically going to be, you're bringing a guy in on an entry-level deal and let me pull up cat friendly again. And if you're re-signing Mata to around three mil, you're you're still making out there because Wallman's signed to a mil. You're gonna have ELC for Edmondson at whatever that price points at. Let me scroll down. Where is he? Edmondson sub at nine twenty five. Yeah. So you're kind of talking about a little bit more money. If you re-sign Mata, because you got to expect that his price point is going to go up a little bit. But at the same time, like, do you want to lose a 26-year-old Jake Wallman who j- doesn't turn 27 until February for someone that's provided great depth and offensive skill for this team? Like, he's been ever since he's come over when he's healthy. I thought he's been fantastic. So I don't think having him on this roster stops Edmondson, and I, I don't think it can hurt you. So I don't know. Yeah, Jake Wallman, like you said, when he's healthy, he's effective. So far this season in seven games played, he has a goal. Uh, He's playing 15 minutes a night, which is good. Eight block shots, six hits, uh, one takeaway, one giveaway. So he's playing a decent game. His Corsi 4 is a 51-4, and his Fenwick's a 53-4. That's very positive. Last season in uh, 19 games played, he was a 46-7. Just Wallman, I'm sorry. Yeah, Wallman in a 45-9 for a Fenwick four. His on-ice save percentage currently in seven games played is 100. When he is on the ice, no pucks go in the net. Wait, in seriously? Seven games. Yeah. Last is season, that in all situations? Uh, this is all situations. No, this is all situations. Uh, 100. No. Yeah, 100% on-ice save percentage last season in 19 games played was a 91-1 on a safe percentage. So his PDO right now is through the roof, though. It's 116. So that's really high. He's had some great shots that haven't gone in yet, but holy shit, nothing scored against when he's on the ice. No goals goals have gone in the net with Jake Wallman on the ice. So what's the average in time on ice? uh, A little bit over 15 minutes. 
So, I mean, Jake Wallman's an effective defenseman. And you can see why that he was re-signed. Now, that's not, <laughs> that is in no way sustainable. 100% like safe, like 100% on ice safe percentage is in no way sustainable. But in his seven games right now, he's a plus eight. Uh, that's, I mean, uh, for this team, it has to be one of the highest plus minuses on the team currently. I hate plus minus. Philip Ronick, uh plus 11. Jordan Osterley, a plus 10. Dylan Larkin, a plus 9. Uh, Mata, an 8. Wallman, an 8. So he's he's fifth on the team, tied our fourth, tied for fourth with Oli Mata and plus minus currently. I mean, he's, he's doing what he needs to do. And, and I think that further goes to your point is I'm not sure I can really get rid of Jake Wallman. But again, for that, Jordan Osterley is, all, is also at an on ice safe percentage of 100 percent. So he has not he's also not been on the ice for a goal against. Now, are either guys playing special teams at this point? I don't think I know they're not no, on power play. No, but but if you look at again, I like this on ice save percentage stat. Jonathan Bergeron, ninety seven point two on ice save percentage, followed by Philip Zadina at a ninety six eight, Austin Zarnick at a ninety five seven, who was just recalled for Bertuzzi, Joe Valeno at a ninety five four, Matt Luff, and then Philip Ronick. Lucas Raymond comes in tenth at a ninety three. So. I mean, it's going to make it hard, man. And if you come down to just, hey, Jake, we love your game, but we need to make room for Edvinson. Like, you're in you know a what's upsetting. Point. What? Cider and Sherratt, 86 9 and 87 1. Yeah, but I'm. Mo had a tough start. Mo's gotten a lot better. A no, ton I, better. I'm not saying they had it, but that's. Uh, it's not a good look. Little, uh, that hurts. It's bit. not a good look. So the last thing I want to talk about tonight is uh, a player called Dmitry Buchelnikov. Dmitry Buchelnikov, he is 19 years old. He was drafted last season, uh, round two, number 52 overall as an overager. He did sign a two-year contract uh, with Ska St. Petersburg uh, a few weeks ago. But in 27 games, he has 29 points between... The KHL, the VHL, and the MHL. So the KHL is Russia's pro league. The VHL is like Russia's AHL. So it'd be like Ska's equivalent of the Griffins. And then the MHL is like their CHL. So you're a junior team. He's only played three games for Ska 1946, which is the junior team. Right now he's playing for Ska Neva, which is like their AHL equivalent. And he's played 10 games in the pros or at the higher pro level, the KHL. So in 14 games for Scott Neva, which is where he's playing now, he has 10 goals and eight assists. And I like to give a shout out to uh, Hockey News Hub, who tags us in everything. It's like five times a day because this kid's doing so much. But he had two That's goals. Great. He had two goals today. And this, he's a sniper. This kid is insane. And, and it's, again, another reason why you say, well, he's 19 now. He signed a two-year contract with Scott. Maybe he can break it and come over here next season. I I don't know if he breaks it. He's probably not going to be allowed back in Russia. But that's going to be interesting to watch because yeah. he's back and forth between their version of the AHL and the NHL right now. So you got to think that as this year progresses, he'll start seeing more of that NHL level time. So KHL time. I don't have any issue keeping him in the KHL for a year, though. No, not at all. But 
how much are they going to fight back on him trying to come over here? Now, if you got a guy like, you know, the professor or Sergey, maybe vouching for him making the move to Steve in Detroit, then we'll see what happens. Now, granted, I don't think either of them have any pull on the that team. Do they? Uh, I think that Sergey has pull in general. That, well, in, yeah. In Russian hockey. I know Igor does too. So I, I guess that's what we can maybe try to hope and pray for in a way that he could come this way because of that. Because there's no, there's no doubt that there's still there, but I, I want the biggest thing I want to see is him getting minutes and doing that in the KHL, because that's going to be what we have to see as a transfer coming over to the AHL and him still doing that over here. So if he start, if he makes that jump and keeps putting up these numbers and making that impact, that's what's going to be important. So next year, I think, is the the one to really watch or keep an eye out for. Yeah, I I have I have good feeling about this kid. And and again, it's a scorer. It's a what seems like a pure goal scorer in the system. And what the Red Wings lack currently is a pure goal scorer. Now Verana's in players assistance. He's a pure goal scorer. That's what Jacob Verana is. But we need more of it. And we need more of it in the pipeline coming up. Now, my problem right now is, and again, the reason you should probably stay in the KHL, he's five foot nine, 150 pounds. He is small. He is very light. But you can put weight on. And I think at 5'9", you're probably topping out at 175. That's yeah, probably... So look, at, look at Debrinket. Sure. Like when I think of well, a Don't a look young... at Debrinket this year, but look at like historically Debrinket. Yeah, you, you put him around good players and good things are going to happen. And that's what Detroit has is now having come through. Because you look at young players, we already talked about a couple of them, but then you, we didn't talk about Cross Hannes this week, who has been On fantastic fire. rookie campaign. So there's several guys there. Yeah, Casper's still out there. That could, uh, Once he finally makes his way over, like him and Pachelnikov, who knows, maybe if, all things turn out great. They're both in the AHL next season. Doubtful, but wishful thinking. There's young players there with a scoring touch, but I think he he might have one of the more rare ones. Now, I'll back off a little bit because we thought the same thing about a certain player that's on this roster as well, and that hasn't come to fruition. So, like I said, biggest thing I want to see from him is get into the KHL and keep doing it there, and then we'll we'll go from there. Well, let's talk about Cross Hannes for a minute and his 12 points in 17 games. I mean, last season with Portland in 2021-22, he had 86 points in 63 games. But he's inching up on a point-per-game pace in the AHL in his first season there. He's projected to get 50 points in 71 games with the Griffins. So again, that's 29 goals. Their projection from... What did, what did Bergie have last year? So last season with Grand Rapids, Berggren in 70 games played had 64 points. So that's close. Okay. I mean, that's close to what they expect Cross Hannes to do. So I, I mean, I was just he, curious because I know Berggren, Berggren set the, see, I just fucking did it again. You did it again. Um, um, he set the rookie scoring record. So if yeah, Hannes can stay healthy and push toward that, that's huge because we're seeing what JB is doing this season in Detroit. You know, we, like we mentioned earlier, somebody pointed out that he's on a 50-plus point pace right now with limited minutes. If you can get that from Hannes, if you've got other guys coming onto this roster to help make an impact, like, say, by the grace of God, Marco Casper makes this roster, we're, we're going to start seeing that progression. Now, 
there's no telling what Iserman may go into this offseason and bring in as well to try to continue to make this team better as some of these guys are playing through their AHL time. So, but it's it's promising, and that's what's huge. So Dmitry Bichelnikov, for who was born in Niz, Nizhny Tagil, Russia. The other notable people born in Nizhny Tagil, Russia were Alexander Radulov. And Pavel Dorofiev, who is a, he's, I think he plays for Henderson right now in the AHL, which means he is a Vegas prospect. Uh, but also Nikita Sashnikov is, uh, was born in the same city. So I like going and looking and saying, Hey, how good, uh, how, how many hockey people does this city spawn? And this, the city's good for a few. So yeah, I'll take it. Uh, that's going to do it for tonight. Ryan, I want to try on thoughts before we sign off. Um, no, final thoughts are. Um, it, it sounds uh, like I'm, you don't have any. <laughs> no, I decided to read something right as I started to talk, and that was a terrible idea. No, final thoughts are the, the team's battling. They're not giving up on games. And I think that Lalone has made that comment just as of, was it today or yesterday, after the, after the loss to Buffalo, which is huge. And now, is it the outcome that we're looking for? No, but. What's crazy is they're still in a wild card spot with games in hand on the teams that are behind them. Now, granted, they're in the wild card spot by one game or one point. So that's kind of a, oh shit, things could go sideways very quickly. But they're doing, it's still exciting hockey to watch. So we're now entering the gauntlet of the season, as we talked about last week, that December is going to potentially, it could be very brutal. And we've already played, gotten Toronto out of the way. Buffalo, a game we should have won and could have won. But now we got Vegas coming up, which that's going to be a hell of a matchup. So there's a lot of top competition that Detroit's about to play. And now we're going to see what they're made of here coming going into the, the plus 25% point of the season. So we'll see what happens. Maybe next week. I mean, it's going to be a quiet conversation week. We can probably to make some shit up as we go next week, but uh, we'll see what happens. Either way, though, it's still fun hockey, and I think that's what's important to this point, whereas in the, in the past, it's like, wow, we got blown out again, and th- then they just shit the bed after that. So, uh, But yeah, other than that, RD Ryan 33. Yeah, next three games coming up, uh, Vegas at home, then on the road for four against Columbus, Tampa, Florida, Dallas. Uh, Vegas, Ouch. really good team. Columbus blows. Tampa, good team. Florida has been okay. I mean, as long as good. Bob's not playing, Florida's been been okay. And Dallas has been back and forth too. Uh, Robertson's really brought it on though. So it's like I said, Ready for my fantasy team. We had talked about last uh, last episode that the the schedule doesn't get easier; it gets harder from here on out. And that kind of starts uh, the, towards the middle of this month, where it just the games keep ratcheting up, and you've got some tough road games. And we'll see. I, I'm hoping goaltending shakes out by them because we're really going to need it to. You can follow me yeah. online at Bringing the Wing. You follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. Uh, we like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting our podcast. You can follow them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. We also like to give a shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. Lynn over there is amazing, so go check them out. If you use the promo code Grindline on Howie's Hockey Tape, you get 10% off. If you use that same promo code to bring hockey back, you get 12%. Check out our merch on Redbubble by searching the grind line and go sub to us on YouTube. 
Uh, we like to post videos there, a little bit of extra content. Plus, you can watch us for anyone that actually wants to do that. But go sub to us on YouTube, hit that notification button, and check out the episodes there. But that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.